Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Man, let's get it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Make sure this marker's working for me. Boom, here we go. We are cooking. What does gospel mean? Good news. It literally means the what? The too good to be true good news, but it's what? Still true. You know, the only people that struggle with the gospel are followers of Christ. If you share the gospel with a Christian, they will struggle with it, at least in America, almost 100% of the time, because they'll tell you that seems too good to be true. And that's why you hear this, this term deconstruction popping around. Really, all deconstruction is, watch this, is repentance. It's a changing of the way that we are thinking about something. Remember, repentance has very little to do with you kneeling at an altar saying, forgive me. Repentance has everything to do with a metanoia and your noose and your way of thinking. Come on. And so last week, um, we talked a little bit about the ascension of Christ. And I want to, I'll see if I can hang out there a little bit again today. And I want to talk about some of the, maybe the ramifications of it. I was just telling our friends, which by the way, any first time guest in the room today, any like your first time or maybe you haven't been here in a long time. Any first? See some hands in the back. Good to see you. So grateful that you're here. Good to see you. So grateful that you're here. I know I got some friends on the front row, Cody and Tyler. But I say, hey, Cody. Say, hey, Tyler. First time here. So we're honored, honored, honored that you're here. Hey, Way Family Church, how many churches are in greater Oklahoma City? Over 2,000. And growing quickly. Churches are being added on, which is an awesome thing. Um, but we're, we don't think it's by chance that you're here. Um, but growing up and going to church... Here's what I am very much aware of, and um, I am very much aware that we grow old in church, we just don't grow up, right? And so we stay in this infancy stage in our faith for 30, 40, 50 years of walking with Christ, and we don't understand, and we, we, we keep struggling with things like sin, because we don't, nobody never taught us that Jesus dealt with sin. We talk about the devil all the time as if he hasn't been defeated. I'm gonna tell, let me just go and hit it. While we're in America, if you take away people's devil, their sin, and hell, they don't even know why they serve God. All of which Jesus has dealt with. You do not serve God because you do not want to go to hell. If you're serving God because you don't want to go to hell, you're not even serving God. You're serving heaven. Because you're looking forward to going to to a place rather than being with a person. You saying nothing? Because where I grew up, listen to what I'm telling you. Everybody talked about going to heaven. It was every single week. You didn't want to go to hell, but you want to go to heaven. And because I grew up poor and I grew up in a poor region... You know what we fantasized about? Living in a mansion that we didn't have to pay for because we took John 14 out of context. In my father's house are many what? 
Everybody say bad translation. Jesus Christ, that's bad translation. As if Jesus, the Jewish carpenter, is in heaven with a hammer and a nail and a hard hat and a saw building every person that believes in him a mansion. Matt believes, so you get a special house. You don't believe, you don't get a special house. But really, we wanted the mansion we didn't have to pay for. We wanted real estate, and so we were glad to go there. And we fantasized about big houses and streets of gold. I'm like, you can have that on earth. There are people that literally have gold driveways. My father-in-law was telling me one time about um, these people that he met. They had gold toilets in their plane. They were so wealthy, they didn't know what else to do with their money. Don't fall in love with something that you believe is God's gift to you that people that don't even know God from a tree have that. I notice it in TBN, but it's good stuff. And so our goal is not to be Christian entertainers to our Sunday morning crowd. I want to give you something that if I left the planet tomorrow, you can say that guy right there, he always gave us raw truth. And whether we went to a family gathering on Sunday or not, if we do that and see it that way, it'll change the rest of the way that we do our life. And so I want to be really intentional about what we hear, you know. And so everybody say this. Say we are a new covenant people. That's why the last night of Jesus' life on the earth, he said, I make a new covenant with you. We are gospel people, which means good news people. And part of that, part of the foundation of the early church was death, well, we're really incarnation, death, burial, resurrection, watch this, ascension, and the sending of the Holy Spirit. I said death, or incarnation, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the sending of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> okay, let me read some Bible verses to you so I can make it a legal service. No matter how much Jesus you talk about, no matter what God does, you just got to read the Bible in America, okay? So, I love messing with people. Like, you know people worship God and live for God long before they had a Bible, right? Like, oh, pastor, right? So, love messing with people. I want to read, um, let me see some good ones to read first to you. Do-do. Let's read uh, Acts 1, 9 through 11. I don't know if I get to read all these today or not. I got time, but I got an, a hair over an hour to be with you, but I don't want to take all that time. Acts chapter 9, this is before Acts 2, of course. This is after the death of Jesus. Um, this has probably been around that 40-day mark, and this is beautiful. Here we go. Now, when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, everybody say they is the disciples. While the disciples watched, Jesus was taken up. Everybody say ascension. And a cloud received him, meaning Jesus, out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, Two other men stood by them in white apparel. By the way, every time an angel appears in the scripture, it's always a man. I don't know why, but just interesting for me. And these two men said to them, 
you men of Galilee? Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. Everybody say same Jesus. This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. One more time. Say that's ascension. Now, let's look at Colossians chapter 2, 11 through 15. Colossians chapter 2, 11 through 15. And then we'll look up 3, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. But Colossians chapter 2. I think I gave you those, Miss Sherry. <clears throat> 11 through 15. All right, here it goes. Paul says, In Christ you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Take it easy, man. Now, this is just, he's, he's, he's Paul talking to the Colossians, all right? In Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. What's he talking about? He tells you, this is the putting off of the body of your sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So who did it? Christ did it. I like to ask people, when did he do it? With his death, burial, resurrection. That's when the circumcision took place. Okay? He removed the flesh or the carnal way of doing life off of us. He cut that away. Then he says this, you were buried with Christ in what? Baptism. In which you were also what? Raised. Everybody say ascension. Come on, you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised Christ from the dead. Now, turn to that third chapter that I gave you there, Miss Sherry. I think it's chapter 3, 1 and 2. Yeah. This is what Paul tells the church of Colossae what they should be doing. If then you were raised with Christ, the question is, were we raised with Christ? Right? So that's not a question. If you were raised with Christ, in other words, if you have knowledge of that, then seek those things which are above. Above, where is that? It's where Christ is. Where is that? It's seated at the right hand of God. Next verse. Set your mind on things what? Not on things of the earth. So it is possible to be a follower of Christ seated in heavenly places, yet because we do not change how we think, we're seated in heaven, but we have earthly thinking. And I want to tell you something. You don't manifest where you're seated from. You manifest where you think from. I will throw this Bible to the back of that wall back there. I said, you don't manifest where you're seated from. You manifest where your thinking is at. That's so good. So simple. It takes church to complicate it. Right? Now let's look at some of the verses in Ephesians, Miss Sherry, I sent you. This is a lot, but it's, it's okay. You okay? Put some Bible verses here. <clears throat> Think, I'm telling you, thinking is important. Thinking is important immensely. Paul says, I, I wish that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened or flooded with light. 
Why? So that you'll know what is the hope of his calling. That's God's calling or Christ's calling in us. I want you to know what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints is, right? And I want you to know what is the exceeding greatness of God's power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which this is the same work that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and did what with Christ? Seated him at what? His right hand in where? Heavenly places. Next verse, Ms. Sherry. And where is this heavenly place? Well, he tells you it's a place that's far above all. Everybody say above all. Come on, say above all. Above all principality. It's above all power. It's above all might. It's above all dominion. It's above every name. I'm telling you debt's a name. I'm telling you sickness is a name. I'm telling you rejection is a name. Insecurity is a name. Your bad emotions is a name. Unhealth, whatever it may be. He said it's above all of that. And not only in this age is that name above all that, but also in the age to come. And he, meaning our father, has put all things under his feet, meaning Christ's feet, and gave him, who is Jesus, to be head, who is Jesus, over all things to the church, which is you and I. And the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Man, the Bible's good by itself. All right, let's go to the next verses in Ephesians, Miss Sherry, that I gave you. We're going to go to chapter 2 here, verse 4 through 7. Paul says, but God, who is rich in what? Because of God's great love that he loved us with, watch this, next verse. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he did what? Made us what? Alive together with Christ. Everybody say alive together with Christ. And then he puts in he puts in he puts in parentheses by grace are we saved? What did you do to get saved? Everybody say nothing. I'm gonna ask you one more time. What did you do to get saved? Everybody say nothing. You didn't pray a prayer to get saved. You didn't build a hospital to get saved. You didn't pay a tithe to get saved. You didn't go to church to get saved. What did you do to get saved? Nothing. By grace are you saved? And I won't get to verse eight, but he says. By grace are you saved through faith. And then he says this, and that not of yourself. Okay, so even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Don't miss this. And that not of yourself. It is the gift of I don't know why we complicate that, but it is the gift of God. Now, chapter 4, verse 8 through 13, and we'll talk for a few minutes and we'll be done today. Chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 8 through 13. Therefore, Paul says, he says, when Christ ascended, everybody say the ascension, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive captivity captive and gave gifts to men so anyway there were people that were held captive but yet jesus made them his captives next verse now this he ascended what does it mean but that he also first descended <laughs> into the lower parts of the earth what was he doing when he was laying in the tomb 
He who descended is also the one who ascended. There's a lot of ascending and descending and descending and ascending in these passages, but he's trying to teach us something. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all in all things. Look at that, Matthew. That's beautiful. And this Jesus, the one who ascended himself, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why do we have these gifts? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Well, pastor, I thought you were supposed to do the work of the ministry. No, I equip you to do the works of the ministry. I ain't saying nothing. I thought as a pastor, you're supposed to come see me at the hospital. No, 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 no. I equip people to go see you in the hospital. That's just a cheesy illustration, but you understand it, right? Why do we have these gifts? To equip other people to do the work of the ministry. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why? So that we all come to the unity of faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, which we never learn about in church for some reason. So that we can become a mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children. Children how? In our thinking. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Got doctrines about breakthrough, doctrines about different level. We have four, last I heard, 44,000 different denominations on the planet in 2,000 years. That's 100, I think 56 denominations, it's either a week or a month, have been developed since Christ rose from the dead. And you don't think we got issues in America. Listen. <clears throat> By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But we speak the truth in love so that we can grow up. Everybody say grow up in all things into Jesus, who is the head in Christ. I think that maybe that's all of that. Lord, thank you for truth. Thank you for truth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say the ascension. Last week, um, we... I didn't read 1 John 3, 8, but it says, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And I have some passages in Hebrews um, that I'll probably get to in a little bit, should God allow. I, I would love to do that, but I just want to dive into um, what I have on my heart. Last week, we talked about, um, where did those notes go? We talked about Adam coming to the planet, and we talked about our involvement in this. And here is essentially the gist of last week. Well, maybe the notes won't pop up. Yeah, there we go. Here is the gist of it. Remember Adam, put on a planet in a garden, hanging out with God, in the beauty of this garden every day, hanging out in the shade, living in trees, whatever you want to call it, whatever you believe the Garden of Eden was. But ultimately, Adam and Eve sin in a garden. Remember, you and I did not have a choice as to whether or not we became sinners. We didn't have a choice. If I would have had a choice, guess what I would have picked? No, I don't want to be a sinner. But we didn't have a choice. Right? 
I physically was not there, or I'd have been like, hey, man, you probably shouldn't do that. But an old age quote that we use in church often is that. Somebody told me last week, please keep using your whiteboard because it's helping me. I'm like, okay, I'll keep using the whiteboard. In Adam's fall, we sinned all, right? Why in Adam's fall did we sin all? Because where, where were we when Adam sinned? In Adam. So what he did affected everything he carried. What he did impacted everyone he carried. So in Adam's fall, we sin all. We talked about this last week. When Adam sinned, Adam opened the door. What came through the door, essentially? More than anything, this is man's biggest enemy that we fear, which 1 Corinthians 15 says that Christ really did defeat death. It says the last enemy to be defeated is death, but he did this. But it opened the door to death, sin, you can call it sickness, you can keep listing things. You can put poverty, you can put insecurity, but it opened the door. And really what spawned from all of this is a, watch this, is a sense of, what's that? We felt like we were separated from God when Adam plummeted. Let me ask you this. Who was Adam hiding from in a garden when Papa came to him? Did he feel like, was he hiding from Papa because he was going to smite him? (laughs) I'm telling you, the Abba of Jesus doesn't smite people. He was hiding from what he did to himself and the shame it brought. Because the residue of sin is always shame. The after effects of sin is always shame. I feel shameful about what I've done, so I hide because I don't want anybody to see me and what I've done. And so he started hiding behind trees. Watch this. He started hiding behind the things that his father made for him to enjoy. No, I said he was hiding behind things his father made for him to enjoy. And watch this. Then he started hiding behind the things his father made for him to enjoy. But yet he was hiding behind those same things from his father who was the chief source of his joy. Adam plummets. And boy, when he fell, he fell a mighty long way. Fast forward, most people believe 4,000 years, give or take. Here comes Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I want you to see this. I'm going to use this whiteboard a lot today. You guys okay? Okay. Here comes Jesus of Nazareth some 4,000 years later. And Jesus of Nazareth comes. Now, Jesus is not an angel, but just to make sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, I'm going to put him a little halo right here. Jesus of Nazareth comes to the planet by what we know today as, everybody say this, say incarnation. He comes by way of the incarnation. Why is this such a profound thing that for some reason never gets talked about? I can't tell you one time in the last 
15 or 18 years of my life that I actually heard this talked about, but I'm going to drop it on you today. He comes by way of the incarnation, right? It wasn't just that God was being born. Understand Jesus existed before he existed. But it was that Jesus of Nazareth, fully God, fully man, son of God, yet becoming son of man. When, when, when I say son of man, don't think he was the son of Joseph. When I say son of man, you have to hear in that he was every human being that was ever born. You know why? Because Adam was every human being that would ever be born. 1 Corinthians 15 calls Jesus Christ the last Adam. This is the first Adam. Is Jesus the second Adam? Is he the third Adam? The 27th Adam. Why? Because if there was a third, there could always be a or a fifth. He is the last Adam. Now let me mess with you a little bit. Which one came first, the last Adam or the first Adam? Yeah. <laughs> now we're learning something. The last Adam came before the first Adam. Matter of fact, everything that ever existed came out of this man called Jesus. Remember what we learned last week? St. John chapter 1, 1, 2, 10, and 14. In the beginning was the Word, not Bible, but the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Next verse says, the same, meaning the Word, the same Word was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through Him, and without Him there was not anything made that was made. Everything that was ever created in the cosmos, known, unknown, seen, unseen, visible, invisible, it all came through the man, Jesus Christ. Right? Verse 14 says, and that word became what? Did the Bible become flesh? I got people that think they really know me that will fight me over that statement. They're, but they're really fighting over 2,000 years of history. They don't even know it. <laughs> you understand that what we've taught for the last 150 years in America is all brand new? This is, people say, are you teaching new truth? No, I'm, we're teaching original truth. This ain't nothing new. Word became flesh. Word through incarnation becomes flesh. And Jesus being born was not important just because he was born. No, he was born in the same flesh that Adam wore. And so Jesus, for 33 years, the reason the struggle of Christ on the earth was immense was not because he wore flesh. He wore the same flesh that all of humans wore. He wore the same fallen flesh that Adam wore. So for 33 years, he, he, he viewed life through the same lens that Adam would have viewed life. Except Jesus always refused to view things that way. So the same lens of Adam that he would have had of his father, the fear of separation, Jesus comes. That potential would have been there for him to view his father that way, but he knew better. Jesus never feared separation from his father. So he brought that to us too. Listen now. How far did Jesus come down? He came down, yes, to the same degree that Adam fell, but much further. Because watch this. Grace always goes deeper than our sin. Matter of fact, you can't sin further than grace can go. 
The Bible says it this way, where sin does abound, grace does the much more abound. You take all the sin of all combined humanity, and it's the equivalent to one drop of water in comparison to the grace of God, which would be like the equivalent to the ocean. There's not a comparison. So Jesus comes by way of the incarnation, and he plummets himself down into the earth. And for 33 years, he lives in a flesh suit, experiencing everything that humanity felt. The sin of humanity, he watched it. Not only that, Jesus learned what it was to do simple things like thirst. Oh, that's what humans feel like when they thirst. Like hunger. This is what it feels like to have to eat. Right? Like getting hot by the sun that he himself made. Oh, this whatever. Yeah, and you've been giving it to us the last week. Has he not? Last couple weeks. So I just want him to know, remember what that felt like, Jesus. That, no, I'm about to make, I won't make that statement. But anyway, anyway. So remember what that felt like, Jesus. Pain. I mean, you know, it was a carpenter. Do you ever think he hit his finger with a hammer? Do you think he said, oh, and me? God. No. Some of y'all just missed that, but anyway, what? Maybe you think Jesus hit his finger with a hammer and, a, and like a, you think he quoted the Torah when he hit his finger with a hammer. He was a human. This was incarnation. So watch this. Adam's fall was him coming down, but the incarnation was God the Son by way of human birth coming to the earth. Now watch this. For 33 years, he lived this way for us. But for three years only, at the age of 30, Jesus Christ gets baptized, gets tempted on the other side of that baptism, goes to the wilderness for 40 days, comes out of the wilderness, Luke says, filled with the Holy Spirit, And for the next three and a half years, he did public ministry. And in those three and a half years, we got to see the glory of God in the last Adam. And for the last 2,023 years, we're still enamored by him. And what did he do for three and a half years? He forgave people's sin, let me mess with you, without them ever saying a sinner's prayer, which doesn't exist in church history either. He wiped blindness out of people's eyes with his fingers. That's what Jesus did. He spoke words over lepers and they became clean. This is what Jesus did. He took matter like fish and bread and out of a word spoke and the bread would just multiply. This is what Jesus did. He spoke to the elements like wind and said, peace what? And the wind says, oh, I know the voice of my creator. Let me go down. And the wind listened to the creator. He did things. He overrode natural law. He walked on water. Like he walked on water. Nobody else did those kind of things. He, he's the first man to come and speak to demons and demons leave out of people's bodies. Jesus did these things. We beheld the glory of God as God in a human body and it was marvelous. And then... On the last few days of his life, he began to tell his disciples, he said, hey, you guys know I'm leaving, right? You know I'm leaving. They were looking for Jesus coming and crushing Rome because Rome was oppressing them. 
You can't leave now. I mean, this is amazing. Nobody's doing the stuff you're doing. You can't leave now. We're just getting started. No, I'm leaving. Their hearts become sorrowful. You know the story, his hanging out with Peter, James, John in a garden called Gethsemane. And the temple guards come to where he is. Judas goes for 30 pieces of silver, sells out Jesus, which was the price of a sacrificial animal, by the way. They give him 30 pieces of silver. Judas said, I'll tell you exactly where he is. He's, he, he likes to pray. He goes to, get to this garden to pray often. My wife and I got to take a trip to Israel. We got to go there. It's really not a very, it's, I don't know if it's as big as this, this sanctuary space. Pretty, pretty small little space where he would have been. But Judas goes right to where he is. Jesus was so normal, he didn't have a halo on. I know all the pictures that our grandparents have on their wall, he has on a halo. But you understand, he didn't have a halo on. They didn't even know who he was. They said, well, how, how, how are we going to know which one he is? There's going, to be, there's going to be 12 men there, including himself. Which one? And he says, okay. He said, it's the one that I go up to and what? And so they get to the garden and, and Jesus is praying. And right before Judas gets there, he tells Peter, James, and John, he says, the time of my betrayal is at hand. They said, what are you talking about? And here comes Deacon Judas. Hey, Lord. And he walks up to Jesus' face and he goes. And you know what Jesus, you know what Jesus tells Judas? There's two people in the Bible that God called friend. One is Father Abraham and two is Judas. And Jesus tells Judas, he says, friend. In other words, your sin doesn't change how I view you. You just lost who you were in the moment. And he says, friend, why have you come? And Jesus, Jesus did not ask Judas why he came because Jesus didn't know why he was there. But Judas had no clue what he was doing. He was out to try to make a quick buck. And then the soldiers with Judas obviously didn't see what he did. Not all of them. And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And what did Jesus say? He utters these words. He says, I am he. And when he says, I am the Bible says that was so powerful that it blew the soldiers off their feet and they fell back. We think Jesus couldn't defend himself, please. He was God. They take Jesus and they take him to a mockery trial. You know the whole story. Beat him to a bloody pope. But this is all part of the incarnation. Why is the ascension so powerful? Because... Jesus coming to the planet was necessary. Why so deep did you have to fall? Because he had to fall to the same degree of Adam and then some. So they beat Jesus to a bloody pulp. Isaiah said he was more mired, he was so mired that you couldn't recognize who he was. Do you know why Jesus had to become so unrecognizable in sin? Because Adam had become so unrecognizable in sin. Do you know that they really didn't mangle sacrifices when they offered sacrifices in the Bible? Yet Jesus was mangled. Why? Because Adam was mangled. And the only way to unmangle what humanity had done to themselves is he said, I have to become like you in every way. So the scripture says of Jesus, he became as we were. That's the incarnation. 
And then at his trial, when they beat him and they blooded him and ultimately they killed him, Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5 says of Jesus that he who knew no sin became sin, that we through him might now become the righteousness of God. You are not as righteous as God. You are the righteousness of God. And Jesus in his body consumed all the sin that happened with Adam in his fall. Not just for you and not just for me. He consumed all the sin of Adam in the whole cosmos. He took all the sin, all the ripple effects, all the ramifications, all the mistakes, all the wrongdoings. He consumed it all into his body. And what did he do? For three days, his body laid in the tomb. And the good thing I love, this is why, this is why the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ is important. When Jesus laid in a tomb, I can tell you this. One thing that didn't get resurrected was sin because sin does not have the power of resurrection. You missed a good place to lift your voice. I said one thing for sure that did not get resurrected. That's why I know it's not applied to you. It's sin because sin does not have the power of resurrection, folks. You understand that? So Jesus laying in a tomb, takes sin there, completely obliterates it, and then rises from the dead, and then he ascends back into the heavens. Why is that important? Because the first Adam damned all of humanity through his sin, and here comes the last Adam, literally rebirthing, as it were, all humanity in himself in the ascension. In the same way Adam plummeted everybody in the fall, here comes the last Adam saying, I'm raising everybody up in my ascension. So the scripture says this, he who ascended, and he did, is first he who descended, watch this, into the lower parts of the earth. I'm telling you all the effects of Adam that I struggle with and that you struggle with, the reason we struggle with them is because we haven't changed our way of thinking in light of what Christ has already done. The way we talk to our spouse, the way we talk to our kids, the way we handle our money, our lack of unhealthy emotion, all the stuff is all because we have not adjusted our way of thinking in light of the gospel. I know this happened to us. I know we were treated this way. I know trauma is real. I know pain is real. I know rejection is real. I know human experiences are real, but none of them are reasons for us to remain in the state that we would have been had Jesus never came because the gospel is true. I hate it when people say, well, you do that because that's your personality. No, I do this because this is what Christ has done for us. And the real talk, when we quit making excuses as to why we are the way that we are and start saying, Lord, if this is true, then can you show me how to live differently in light of the gospel? This really isn't rocket science. It's gospel. It's gospel. So, Sherry, if you can put this on the board, 1 John 3, we're going to get out of here early. My wife said, thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry, I said first, uh, first John chapter 3, verse 8. First John chapter 3, verse 8. I want you to see this. Matter of fact, let me open this up in my Blue Letter Bible app because I want to read this to you. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, everybody say purpose. I, I, I want you to see this. 
This is the incarnation. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, came into, came into a realm that we can know him. Let me say it that way. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Question, was he manifested? Okay, so that's no longer a question. So if he was manifested, did he destroy the works of the devil? So, okay, now I'm going to read to you what destroy is in the Greek. Just This is good. It said, this is literally right out of the blue little Bible. To loosen any person or thing that was tied or fastened. So Jesus came and he said, anything that the devil had on your life that tied or fastened you down to something that wasn't of me, I come to untie it and to unfasten it. That's, so did he do that? The A definition says bandages of the feet into the shoes. It is likened to a husband and wife joined together by the bond of matrimony. This is what it means for him to destroy the same way things are fastened, like fastening your, your, your sandals or the fastening or the coming together of a wife. He says, Jesus came to take every false thing that had been attached to you and destroy it. Let me, okay. And he goes on down. The second definition is to loose one that was bound, to unbind, to release from bonds. Okay. Now watch this. I love this one. To loose what has been compacted together or built up. To dissolve something or to destroy. So Jesus, by way of his incarnation and ascension, says, I am coming after every bit of residue that the enemy left on the planet because of Adam's fall. I'm coming to find every false fastener, every false binding that hid all of humanity. And I am coming to undo that thing. I'm coming to dissolve it. I'm coming to completely do away with it so that the only way a person can now stay bound by any of the effects of Adam is if they do not know the knowledge of what I have done. But once you come to the knowledge of the truth, you shall know the truth and the truth can then make you what? Free. So watch this. The real enemy of freedom is ignorance. That's why we declare what has happened. Gospel, good news. And when people hear it, it's amazing. It's freedom that takes place. I never heard of that before. Yeah. When people don't understand what has happened, they have permission to stay bound. How many years was it when they announced that all slaves were free? How many years was it before most of them heard it? So in different parts of the continent, all slaves were announced free. Was it true that legally they were free? Yes, but because they hadn't heard the knowledge or the good news of their freedom, they were still living as though they were bound. So we share the good news of what is already true of people, even though they don't know it, so that when they hear it, <gasps> what? Is this true? Is this real? Hmm. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Jesus undid or undone. I know that's not quite verbiage, but I, I want to say it that way because it makes sense to my heart. Jesus literally undone or he undid everything that Adam did. Everything the first Adam did in his fall, Jesus undid in his ascension. 
You should go through your life saying, you about to change, you about to change, you about to change, you about to change. Because I know, I know that ain't in the ascension, that ain't in the ascension, that's not of Christ, that's not of Christ. Now watch this, a lot of this is management and stewardship issues. <laughs> so watch this, Jesus did not simply, uh, how can I do this? Jesus did not, I love this now. This just came to my heart. Jesus did not simply rewind everything before the way it was before Adam fell. He made it better. Jesus did not simply rewind things the way they were before the fall. He made it better. He calls it new creation. So in other words, Jesus didn't simply take us back to the same place we were before we fell. No, 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 no. He made us better. Everybody say, I'm better. He made us better. He made us better. I sat this week. Uh, on vacation with my family. We had 18 of us in one house together, and it was good. Our kids swam about 10 hours a day. Wouldn't you say that, Stephen? Probably realistically. I mean, they grew gills. It was, it was crazy. Alyssa, you can come back to the keys for me. Just hanging out. We were, uh, before we ever got to this house that we had rented, as they go, my wife first spotted them. We were driving in, in this community, and we started seeing deer. I'm like, oh, that's deer right beside the road. But they were everywhere. Like baby deer with the spots on them, like fawns, like which I had never really seen before. I think my wife actually said she's seen some, some like wild hogs too. And I'm, I love nature because I see God in his creation. I'm learning to. I didn't recognize it when I was a kid, but that's why I was always so attracted to what the Lord was, uh, to, to creations because you can see God like in creation. But the deers were really, really cool just to watch. And the last day we're there, we're cleaning up before we left. And Chris and I are out by like the pool house. And there's three deers on the other side of the fence. and Just really, really close. But I can tell they were used to human interaction because they didn't run off. That was really cool. My son and I, we caught uh, several lizards and frogs because he's just at that age and he loves it. But watching them was even really cool. On the side of this house, I probably counted four or five different types of moths that were beautiful. One was, I don't know if it was yellow and pink or yellow and orange. It was like a yellow and pinkish orange. It was just beautiful. But I'm like, I'm walking around like if I were God, I would have, I would have said like, uh, you know, I'm making two kind of moths for the earth. I'll make a deer and a cow. I mean, other than bacon, what's the use for a pig? You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I figured out uh, just, uh, I'd have made one chicken restaurant. What is it? Chick-fil-A. You guys got it. Which, by the way, we're coming back home yesterday. I'm going to tell you something you never seen Popeyes do. So we, we went through Chick-fil-A, and they are directing traffic outside because they're redoing the parking lot. I'm like, this guy's out here directing traffic, man. Just crazy. Never seen Popeyes direct, tra direct traffic. And I think I told y'all, somebody from the church bought me some really nice Chick-fil-A merch. Like, they started making clothing really nice. So I thought, I wonder what kind of merchandise that Popeye sells. I got online and Google. They sell bulletproof vests. I'm not even lying. Check it out. Just check it out. It's amazing. But anyway, 
Everybody say, come back. Come back, come back, come back. Like the soft music, it was going really, really well that you did that. Like, But just looking at nature and just standing in awe of the beauty. My wife and I, we went, went walking uh, one night. Just, I'm just hearing the sounds of nature. God is all around us. Here's what's beautiful. Here's what's beautiful. I'm walking in East Texas all the while. I'm in East Texas. This is happening. All the while, I'm somewhere in East Texas. Everybody say Earth. Yet, the Bible says this. This is my triangle for the Trinity, by the way. That's F for Father. H, S for Holy Spirit, and S for Son. Yet all the while, because of the ascension of Christ, even though I'm in East Texas, conditionally, I'm in East Texas, but positionally, I'm seated on the right hand of the Father, watch this, in HP, in heavenly places. Here's what I'm not sure that that we recognize yet. We can be seated with Christ, watch this, in heavenly places. And just so I want to make sure we understand, even though we have been seated here, if your mind is here on earth with Adam, this will always be uncomfortable. I'm about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, this will be uncomfortable for me. Why? Because it's not meant for me. Aren't you glad that God in mercy disturbs us when we try to sit in places that weren't meant for us to sit? This is uncomfortable. This is a bit more comfortable. This is me. And I want to ask you to do something that Paul told the church at Colossae to do. When you have revelation knowledge of this truth, which we just got, he said, then it's up to you to take your mind And set it what? On things what? Above. Then he said, it's where Christ is seated. But we also read what Paul told the church of Ephesians. He said, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now I'm going to tell you what's really uncomfortable. If I try to sit in both of these at the same time. And Christ said, Matt, I set you in a heavenly place. But my way of thinking, yeah, but I keep wanting to sit down here. That is uncomfortable. And I say, let's be a family where we make a choice. Even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard, even when we have to go against some of the ways we were taught about whatever. It could be money, health. Like, man, me and my wife, we're on a big journey right now. And you know what we struggle at the most? We struggle because of the ways we were previously taught. But if we will go through that awkward feeling, I'm telling you, we can find ourselves seated with Christ in heavenly places. And it's not even our work. It's already done. But it takes us saying, Lord, I receive that. I put faith in that, which is trust in that. I want to live that way. I want to live that way. So some of you guys need to go home. You need to throw out some chairs, man. Like quit sitting in places that you were not meant to sit in. 
at one age of my life and stage, and I can, I can see it, and don't get me wrong, I'm a small guy. But that was okay at one age and one stage of my life. But I'm telling you, the age has changed. And I'm telling you, I'm at a different stage. I want to sit in places that Christ has desired me to sit in. Here, I'm contending for blessing every single week. Here, I believe what Paul says. Where Paul says, you're already blessed. Here, I contend for breakthrough every week of my life. Here, I believe that Jesus broke through force and I'm merely receiving what he's done. Here, I'm always fighting to get something. Here, I'm resting because Jesus has already fought for me. Here, I'm fighting to make my own way. And no matter how much you do here, you're never, ever done. And if you never get done of working, you're always going to be tired. Here, it's called the finished work of the cross. Remember the one piece of furniture that was never in the Jews' actual tabernacle was a chair. Because they were never finished. So they could never sit down. (laughs) But when Christ rose, Hebrews 1 said, He now sits at the right hand of the Father. And guess who's seated with Him? Now that's one thing to say. That's a good sermon, Pastor Josh. That's really good. I'm not even looking for that. I could care less about it. I'm beyond that stage of my life. But I'm never beyond sin. Somebody's marriage get healed. I'm never beyond sin. Somebody walking a new level of health for themselves. I'm never beyond sin. Somebody saying something like, man, I didn't know that. But now that I know that, I'm going to make some adjustments to my life. And if you don't make adjustments every time you hear truth, you'll say amen to it. Never see the results of it. And you'll be what I call an amen Christian. Right? Sometimes I call it cigarette Christianity. It's ashtray Christianity. Because every time we hear something good, we say, yeah, I know, but. Yeah, I know, but. You don't think Jesus knew all of our buts? And he said, get up here with me. Sit down from here. It's different here. This doesn't erase struggle. This doesn't erase pain. This doesn't erase hurt. This doesn't erase us learning or unlearning or renewing. This doesn't erase you fill in the blank it doesn't erase it but i'm just telling you things are different here stand to your feet with me we're doing good everybody put your hand on your heart can you say this after me can you say father thank you for truth thank you for the incarnation and thank you for the ascension i believe that when jesus came to the earth he came for me He came as me. His death, his burial, his resurrection was for my healing, my wholeness, my salvation. But I also believe that his ascension was for my rising and for my seating in heavenly places. I trust that. I believe that. Now may that truth permeate And flood every area of my life. My physical health. My financial health. 
my mental health, my emotional health. In Jesus' name. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.